0: With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
2: Would you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.
0: It's Lars. Thank you for checking out my podcast and have a great day. Are you approaching retirement or maybe you've just changed jobs? If so, you'll probably now have control of your 401k or IRA. Would you like to buy some property, notes, loans, start a new business, or even buy crypto? you can with a self-directed IRA. For more than a decade, I've been telling you about setting up a self-directed IRA through IRA Advantage. And while you may now hear other companies say they offer self-directed IRAs, you need to find out if they're truly self-directed. With a truly self-directed retirement account, you can make any investment the law allows. Whether you're talking about true diversification, starting your new business, or investing in private holdings, IRA Advantage through a truly self-directed IRA can make that happen. Take it, for me, Lars. You've worked hard for your money. IRA Advantage will work hard to keep it yours.
2: Would you like to learn more about truly self-directed IRAs? Then visit IRAAdvantage.com. View our videos and call IRA Advantage. That's IRAAdvantage.com
0: welcome back to the lars Lars, larson Show, and welcome to my favorite day of the week first amendment friday i know for a lot of you it's the end of the week for me the week never actually ends the work goes on all weekend long but on first amendment fridays we open up the phone lines and we let you sound off on anything you'd like to tackle and in fact Every subject is fair game on a First Amendment Friday. And as always, naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You can send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And I'll get to our Twitter poll in a moment, but it has to do with the topic that I want to talk about. Now, I want to ask you this question. Can any government tell any American citizen or group of citizens what it must say? Now, it sounds like a law school bar exam question, right? No, compelled speech is unconstitutional under America's First Amendment. That is, you have the right to say anything you want. And in fact, if you go to work for a private employer, uh, the private employer can tell you, well, you're not allowed to talk politics at work, which I imagine a lot of private employers, as we head up to next Tuesday's election, have probably told their employees uh, leave the politics at home. All it does is complicate things with your coworkers and with your customers. That is perfectly legal. But can any government, and I mean any government, from Joe Biden to the U.S. Congress to the governor of your state, all the way down to your mayor or county commissioners, can they tell you how you must speak? And the answer is no. I mean, you don't have to be the graduate of an American law school to know that. Well, a huge win for the good guys Uh, In this case, Good Guys does not include the guys who are pretending to be girls. A huge win for the Good Guys came this week from one of the most unusual sources I could even imagine. The much maligned, and I've done some of the maligning, uh, and much overturned Ninth Circus Court of Appeals based in San Francisco. But it involves a beauty pageant that's not just a national beauty pageant, but it also includes a man. Who now sees himself as a woman, and he has apparently sought to win in a number of beauty contests. In fact, apparently he's won a number of those beauty contests as a man competing against women. Yeah, the person is named uh, Green, Nicole Green. uh, Sorry, Anita Green. Anita Green is transgender, which in modern woke PC language means a biological man who now presents himself to the world and apparently to beauty pageants as a woman but he's not a woman he's a biological man well he decided that he wanted to run for miss united states of america in the pageant but then found out now you can't do it why is that and here's the way the appeals court ruling wrote it up the ninth circus court of appeals i know usually they come up with some of the most loony tunes decisions you've ever heard of plaintiff anita green claims to have been assigned the gender of male at birth in other words, some doctor just looked at this baby and without having any reason to believe it said, that's a little boy, but came out as transgender at the age of 17. Green later took medication to alter hormone levels and underwent cosmetic surgery in which Green's male ana- anatomy was reconstructed to appear as female anatomy. So in other words, he wants to compete as a woman. Well, this started about four years ago, in 2018, Anita Green, as this former man now calls himself, reached out to the Miss United States of America national director on Facebook. And he was asking about what was going on in the state of Oregon. That director, Tenise Gr- uh, Smith, sent Green the pageant rules. And among them was a rule that said, all contestants must be natural-born females. Well, you'd think at that point, Anita Green would have said, well, obviously, I wasn't a natural-born female. I was remade through surgery and chemicals and things like that. And the rule is still up on the pageant's website. It says if you want to be considered eligible for the Miss United States of America pageant, you've got to be a natural-born woman. Well, they also say you can't have been convicted of a felony. You have to be an American citizen. You must not have previously posed nude. Well, Green, transgender, had already competed in Miss Montana USA and Miss Universe. She happened to be living in Clackamas, Oregon, was preparing to compete in a pageant that she, and I'll just use the term of art in this case just to avoid the confusion, she wasn't qualified under the rules. So she said, I'm going to call my attorney green sued and argued that the organization was violating a state law that makes it illegal to deny public accommodations to people based on their sex or gender identity now here's a first year law school student question which one trumps state law or the federal u.s constitution anybody knows that one the u.s constitution holds control Attorneys for the Miss United States of America pageant said, look, the program was designed to celebrate and promote natural born women by sending a message of biological female empowerment. And the pageant has requirements, including age, marital status, gender identity, etc. The Ninth Circuit Court had a three judge panel look at it. And I would love to talk to the minority judge in this case, the one who voted. No, you've got to let Anita Green, into the Miss United States of America pageant. Two of the judges said, no way, you don't have to do that. And what it comes down to, believe it or not, is speech. And here's what the court wrote. Our First Amendment has long understood speech to extend beyond written or spoken words as mediums of expression, reaching so far as to include various forms of entertainment and visual expression as purely expressive activities. As with theater, cinema, or the Super Bowl halftime show they write in their decision, beauty pageants combine speech with live performances like music and dancing to express a message. That was actually written by Judge Lawrence Van Dyke, And while the content of that message varies from pageant to pageant, it is commonly understood that beauty pageants are generally designed to express the ideal vision of American womanhood. And the problem is, Anita Green was born a boy and is now presenting herself as a woman. So here's what I want to ask you in the Twitter poll. Should biological men be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants? Now, I've got an easy answer for that. And no, I don't have a law degree. I'd say no, you can't. And what's really, really telling about this, this case is about First Amendment freedoms. And you have the freedom to go out and express yourself. If you want to put on a dress, if you want to take hormones, if you want to have breast implants, if you want to have some surgery and have your plumbing changed out, that is all up to you. You get to do that. What you don't get to do is go to private organizations, in this case, a beauty pageant. I've got no dog in the fight. I've never been in a beauty pageant. Uh, I don't think I have any family members, extended family, who've ever been in a beauty pageant. The point is, you don't have a right to go and tell that private organization. You have to do what I say. So find the Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Should biological men be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants? I'd say, no, you can vote any way you like. And in the meantime, on a First Amendment Friday, I'm glad to take your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go first. Email to talk at LarsLarson.com. Coming up on the Radio Northwest Network, We got to talk about the latest failed plan from a failed mayor named Ted Wheeler to try to solve the so-called homeless crisis. You're listening to First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest Network.
2: That makes a lot of sense. A lot of
3: nonsense. Right? You're
4: bloody well right. You know you got a right
3: to say.
0: This is the Northwest Nonsense.
3: How
1: much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense?
0: That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. Anybody who lives in or near the biggest cities in the Pacific Northwest knows they've taken on the look of third world countries. Homeless shanty towns, open drug markets, and streets turned into toilets. Half the fire calls in the city of Portland come from homeless encampments, a similar number in the city of Seattle. And the fires, well, they put your home at risk as well. Mayor Feckless Ted Wheeler convinced his city council this week to approve a plan that he says will solve the problem. Well, let's carefully consider what it actually does and what it actually does not do. The big headline you've been hearing today, the city of Portland will ban street camping. What they're not trumpeting nearly as loudly, the ban does not come until sometime in 2024. And I'm going to predict right now, right here, it never comes because Portlandia and the alleged leaders who lead the city lack the guts to actually enforce that rule. In fact, if they had the guts to enforce rules, they got rules on the books already that could solve this problem. It pushes for tens of thousands of new housing units. By the way, they're not funded yet and they're supposed to happen sometime in the next decade plus. Can you hear the sound of mayor feckless kicking that can right down the road? His tent concentration camp plan got cut nearly in half from 2,500 to just 1,500 and the cherry on top, what Ted's plan calls unhoused access to paid non-standard work. Now, If you don't speak bureaucraties, let me translate that deceptive language. Make work jobs so addicts will have a place to camp at some point and money for their meth and fentanyl. And guess what? You get to pay the bill for both of those. And if you like all that BS, vote Democrat on Tuesday. From Truth Social, John writes in, Lars, rumor has it the hardware stores across the country are running out of shellac. It's been predicted that the Democrats are going to get a terrible shellac immersion come November the 8th. And our question of the day, Lars, I'm a 77-year-old young woman and registered voter in Oregon. I voted in every election since I was able to vote at the age of 21. That would be over half a century ago. I want your opinion on an incident I witnessed on Tuesday, November 1, at the post office. I was waiting for service, and the woman before me at the counter had a ballot envelope in her hand. And I, had, I heard her ask the desk clerk why the ballot had been returned to her. The clerk pleasantly told her that the sorting machines at the post office distribution center sometimes turn the envelope over or around and scan the voters address rather than the elections office address. The clerk was very pleasant, but appeared unconcerned and told the voter she'd take the ballot and put it in the outgoing mail. The woman hesitated for a few seconds and then gave it to the clerk. Had I been that woman, I would have taken the ballot directly to the ballot box at City Hall. I think this is a huge concern. How often does this happen? And if somebody is mailing at the last minute, there would not be a better time, there would not be time for the ballot to reach the elections office by election day if it was returned to the voter. What do you think I should have done? I really feel I need to voice my concern to somebody in government. Who would that be? The secretary of state? Better yet, how about you look into it or at least warn voters of the issue? Or if you think that's not important enough, let me know who to contact, Signed, Cynthia Marbury. Well, Cynthia, I've been telling people that my advice on voting is this. Take your ballot, mark it anytime you want, and then deliver it yourself on election day to the elections office. Not to the drop boxes where the uh, ballot mules like to drop off their harvest. Take it right to the elections office. Turn it in and then ask that they make sure that it's marked as received. That's what I would do. I care about my vote. I'll bet you do as well. Now, let's go to today's Daily Grill. Insane. Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb.
2: You're even dumber than I thought.
0: Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day?
2: Maybe
5: they're just really, really stupid.
0: The way has been paved by Trademark Paving. Just Pave It, serving Southwest Washington. I want you to remember back about 20 years when both Oregon and Washington made the arguments, we got to go to vote by mail. We'll get more people to turn out and vote. We'll make it so easy. We'll automatically register people. We'll automatically send them a ballot. We'll do everything we can to make it as easy as possible. Do you know that in the most populous county in the state, Multnomah County, the voter turnout so far, and it could change, by Tuesday. But compared to every other county in the state, the most populous county in the state, Multnomah County, is showing turnout of 20 percent. And that's with elections made as easy as they possibly could be. I think voter vote by mail is a joke. Jimmy Carter warned in a presidential commission report that vote by mail was the biggest opportunity for fraud. And I think it's one of the few things I would urge you to take Jimmy Carter seriously about. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by the MEI Group, one of the largest heavy civil construction companies in the Northwest. Currently hiring and paying top dollar for project managers, engineers, and estimators. The MEI com. Alan writes in. Lars, I'm a Washington FFL gunsmith. That means Federal Firearms Licensee. I've been contemplating what happens if Measure 114 passes in Oregon, the effect on Washington gun sales, not pistols, of course. In Washington, I have a whole series of regulations for Washington state residents. Those regulations do not apply to Oregon residents. True, I can't sell a pistol to an Oregon resident, but I can sell other guns to Oregon residents, even the black guns. Laugh out loud. Federal interstate commerce dictates regulations on my sales to Oregon residents. State laws, like what Measure 114, do not affect me because I am a Washington business. Measure 114 will push all firearm sales except pistols out of state. There will not be any records or permits of the sale when a resident returns home to Oregon. So if Measure 114 passes, will Washington, Idaho, Nevada, and California, well, probably not California, he says, become a mecca for firearm sales for Oregon residents? And yes, this may end up in court really fast, signed Allen. Allen, fascinating question. I hope you never have to actually answer that question because I think Measure 114, according to the polls, is going to lose. But don't get overconfident make sure you cast a ballot. Measure 114 is a de facto ban on all gun sales to all citizens in Oregon, including off-duty cops. Take that seriously and vote no on Measure 114. Let's go to Henry. Henry, welcome to First Amendment Friday uh, and the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind?
6: Well, you were talking about the lady uh, or the man competing in the the beauty contest. I think any type of contest that a person that is um, male competing with females, the females should just bow out and not compete at all,
0: period. I think that's that's probably an effective protest tactic. The problem is it denies to all those young ladies who may have spent years preparing for that competition that in other, the, the cost of the protest is that they all deny themselves any kind of access to the contest. But you might be right. Well, in this case, the court my, may my, have my, actually my, helped my, them.
6: My... My reverb to what you're saying is the Founding Fathers all sacrificed something for something. And True. so if we want to be winners and champions. We have to sacrifice something. And so these girls will be looked upon as our Founding Fathers did. They, they, they sacrifice something.
0: And that's a very good point, Henry. They sacrificed their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to make this a free country. And we don't need transgender messing it up. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and First Amendment Friday. Welcome back to the Lars Larson show on First Amendment Friday. I want to talk to my friend Chuck Weiss, but I'm already aware that he's angry and you really don't want an angry airline pilot or an angry meteorologist. But in this case, he's an angry activist who's been involved in a lawsuit that was brought on behalf of 10 Oregon counties. And it had a very simple premise. Are we concerned about hacking of the tabulation machines that will count the ballots this coming Tuesday? Chuck, welcome back to the program. I want people to know what's actually going on in this suit because even though and you can talk about the judge's decision on this suit but um, even though some of the very significant political figures in the northwest the attorney general of oregon and apparently the secretary of state have both now admitted that hacking of those tabulation machines is not only possible but they argue that it would be more likely if the voters or citizens were allowed to learn more about how those machines work and whether or not they've been gimmicked. Welcome back to the show, by the way, Chuck. Yeah, glad to be here, Lars. So what so. should we know about the judge's decision? And and I and I know you're you're pretty hot under the collar about it.
6: Well, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world, and it doesn't surprise the attorney that's handling the case. From And by the way, this is this is spearheaded by Mark Thielman I'm not this the chief plaintiff, but I joined in on it because of what I witnessed in the Tim Simple trial, which you've talked about on the show, and the rulings and what happened at that trial were simply outrageous. And as a well, citizen, okay, I'm okay, but very Chuck, concerned. Chuck,
0: make it simple for my audience. Tell tell my audience what the judge did in this case when this group came in saying on behalf of 10 Oregon counties, what, what were they asking for and what did the judge tell them?
6: We were asking to get forensic fingerprints of all the machines and the counties involved named as defendants in the lawsuit. That includes the most populous areas, such as Multnomah, Washington, Clackamas, uh, down the Willamette Valley, and in parts of Southern Oregon. We asked uh, the judge to give us permission to go in during the accounting of the elections and take three forensic fingerprints to assure us that there is no nefarious software operating in those tabulator machines that's altering votes or running nefarious programs that are not doing what the machines are supposed to be doing, which is simply to count the ballots. And the judge, uh, of course, the counties responded to this uh, emergency motion for discovery, because that's what it was that we filed after filing the complaint. And the judge responded the counties responded by saying, "No, this is unduly burdensome to us it's in the middle of election. They came up with the usual reasons to say uh, we can't do this. It would cost us uh, a lot of extra manpower to uh, to comply with uh, this request along with everything else that we do during the elections and so uh, when they filed all those responses, the judge had to make a decision, well, should I allow this or should I listen to what the county officials are saying? And she ruled in, in favor of the counties by saying that it is unduly burdensome and basically said we don't have enough evidence based upon what we presented uh, to allow her to make this sort of an emergency injunction okay. uh, take effect.
0: Chuck, Chuck, let me ask you something. I'm not a computer geek. I use computers and I'm fascinated by technology. But is it complicated to take a forensic fingerprint of a computer's operating system, uh, specifically the the vote counting part of it, so that you can, I mean, I don't, for all I know, it's stick, you know, stick a program in and have it uh, take a look at the computer. And it makes some kind of image that, that preserves how the computer was set up to count before, during and after the election. Is it complicated? No, it's not complicated
6: at all. It, it's a very simple process, and they could even have their representatives from Clear Ballot be there to make sure we're not doing anything improper. It wouldn't be difficult to set this up at all, but uh, the judge bought into this uh, complaint from the counties involved that it's too burdensome. It's a, it's a very cumbersome thing, and, and, and they also put a security risk in there saying when we're counting ballots, we can't afford to have anybody come into the machines and uh, increase the, the possibility that somebody could hack the machines if they're being monitored this way. Well, guess what, counties? Uh, You've already been hacked, according to the evidence that Dr. Douglas Frank collected in Oregon counties during 2020. And uh, when I was at the SIPPLE trial, they had, uh, Mr. SIPPLE had a witness by the name of Jay Cook, uh, who told the judge in that trial, that uh, their software was extremely outdated and extremely vulnerable to hacking, and he could even demonstrate to that that to them had if they wanted to do it, and they just blew him off and said, "No, we don't care. We're not interested in that. We're going to take the county's word that everything is hunky-dory when it's not. It wasn't." And then uh, they they denied Douglas Frank testifying in that trial, who is an eminently qualified expert in in producing statistical numbers. The guy's got a doctorate in electrochemistry. He was a Nobel laureate nominee. Uh, You couldn't find a more eminently qualified person to look at these election numbers in 2020, which he did, and he showed that there was nefarious activity in all the machines in Oregon back then. But you know what the judge did in that case? This is a simple case. But what she did was, she claimed that Douglas Frank, because he doesn't have a doctorate in political science, science that he's not qualified to testify in her courtroom
0: political science has nothing to do with com- now let me ask you about something this week a guy by the name of dan Forrester, who's the washington county elections manager we've invited him to come on but he was quoted in local press uh, stories in oregon saying there's a lot of concern from the public that tabulation systems might be vulnerable to hacking this is misinformation and i took that quote and i thought Hold on. Didn't Kate Brown, not Kate Brown, didn't Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum actually tell the court in the case where they were opposing trying to get at this forensic fingerprint? She said, quote, Oregon tabulators are subject to wireless attacks. And if the information sought in this case is released, it would cause irreparable harm to Oregon's election system. So the county elections manager is saying they're not hackable at all. That's just hogwash. And she's saying they're already subject to wireless attacks. Which one is true?
6: Well, they, they, they were actually attacked, according to the information Dr. Douglas Frank had, that he would have shown the court had they let him present his data. But they blocked him, and there's no, the, the reason was absurd. And so, in my opinion, Judge Whipper should have recused herself from the whole trial because her her bias was just glaring. There was no excuse for rulings like this, but that's what Mr. Sipple had to put up with. And it actually became the reason why I was so outraged over those decisions that I joined in on this lawsuit, because I want there to be election fairness. That's all we're trying to get here. We're not trying to prove 2020 and go, we're not trying to go back to 2020 and say something's got to be done to get Donald Trump back in office. Everybody keeps going back to that, has nothing. To do with it, and it's not a a, uh, a political party type thing. Both parties should be concerned about this. It should be uh, a joint venture between Democrats and Republicans to fix this thing because what we've discovered is vote by mail is not secure. The computers aren't secure. We need to get rid of all the tabulator machines. That's our ultimate goal, and then to go back to going to uh, polling places and like we used to do before we went to vote by mail, where you got to show an ID, you get a ballot from the person asking at your precinct, you vote at the poll and turn it in. And then those numbers are tabulated individually. And they check you off. They
0: check you off on a book. Exactly. And and this isn't just pining for the old days. It's saying if you walk into a poll and I remember doing this, you know, 40 years ago, you'd walk in, they'd look up your name in the book and you had to vote in your precinct, not in somebody else's precinct, in your precinct. And they'd look you up. They'd say, is this who you are? They should ask you for picture ID. They don't. But if but at least they'd say, are you uh, Lars Larson at such and such an address? You'd say, yes, they'd check you off and hand you a ballot. You go vote it. You drop in the box and you're done. But what it meant was nobody else could walk in after that and say, hey, uh, I'm Lars Larson at such and such an address and vote a second time. There are hundreds of thousands of ballots floating around out there that they know are not going to be voted by the people they're registered to because no election has 100 percent turnout. So those ballots are floating around and if somebody votes them and then submits them, they'll be counted and nobody will ever know. It's like somebody handing you a $20 bill that's counterfeit. If you don't know it's counterfeit, you're going to count it as $20 in your pocket. That is, Chuck Weiss, he's very much involved in the lawsuits and the legal actions, trying to simply say, can we trust the machines that count the vote on Tuesday? It's First Amendment Friday. We'll be back in just a moment. I'll be glad to get your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll question, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on the Radio Northwest Network, proud to serve the Pacific Northwest and the states of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho for the past 22 and a half years and deliver on a daily basis, we hope and pray honestly provocative talk. Our Twitter poll question today, should biological men be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants? I'd say no to that. You can vote any way you like. You'll find it at Lars Larson Show and brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Yesterday, I asked you this, do you trust the election counting systems used in northwest elections i said no 88 percent of you joined me in that no vote only 12 percent of you said yes um but the question today about men competing uh, as women against women in a beauty contest has caught jerry's here hey jerry welcome to first amendment friday what's on your mind
7: yeah i have a solution to the men want to be or transgenders want to be in the women's pageant why not start a transgender U.S. pageant for them? They can have their own thing. Simple.
0: Uh, i got to tell you something, Jerry. Y- you understand. I, that sounds sensible, and I'll tell you why it won't work. Number one, transgenders see this as a civil rights issue, and they, they compare themselves. I don't think the black community in America appreciates it. They compare them to themselves to black Americans who are seeking equal treatment under the law. That's all Dr. King wanted. Uh, Today, they want more than equal treatment under the law, and that's a sad statement. But I think most black Americans just want to be treated equally. And the separate but equal, like separate drinking fountains or restrooms, or you can't stay in this motel, but you can stay in the motel down the block, or you can't eat in this diner, but you can eat in the diner down the block, that doesn't fly. And frankly, the fact that this person four years ago started this You know, I want to be in your pageant. Well, you don't qualify. Well, I'm going to sue you then. The the agenda that's going on here, and it's sad because transgender people make up about two-thirds of 1% of the U.S. population. And what they want is they want the rest of society to endorse what they do. Jerry, I'd be the first person to say, if you want to mutilate parts of your body, that's your business, if you're an adult. If you want to wear different clothing than people would ordinarily associate with a male or a female, go ahead. Whatever floats your boat. But you're now wanting to have the rest of us endorse what you're doing uh, and, and say what you're doing is right. That's forcing the rest of us to endorse something we do, I do disagree with and other people disagree with. But we don't carry our disagreement to assaults on people. We just say, look, you want to do it? Go ahead and do it. Well, I want everybody in a society. I want every employer to have to accommodate it. I want uh, every beauty pageant to let men into a women's beauty pageant. What they're trying to do is force the endorsement of their particular choice in life. life. And of course they would say, it's not a choice. Uh, I was born as a woman. I just happened to be trapped in a man's body, you know, that, that stuff. And, and the thing is they can believe that all day long, but what they can't do is force the rest of us to endorse it. Would you agree? Yes.
4: And, and, and I have one more thing I I want to say about, about voting. I'm going to McMinnville right now. I
7: live in Newburgh. Uh, I did not get a voter's pamphlet while well, the other two people in my house
4: did. And they, I said, why? And they said, well, it was undeliverable. Well, how come the other two people got their <laughs> voter's pamphlet and I didn't? They well, said they there's tell no you. reason why. Yeah, they said and, and, there's no reason why. We can't figure it out.
0: Jerry, the fact that we've had voter screw-ups already and the election hasn't even happened yet. And they said, oh, we accidentally forgot to register 8,000 people, you know, and and send them ballots. Oh, and uh, we screwed up on the kind of ballot. That was Clackamas County in the last election this year. I mean, they've been screwing up right and left. And the fact that even the president is saying, hey, be prepared, we won't get the vote counted that night. You know, this is crazy to be in a technological country, and to have had elections for the last hundred years that up to about up to about 2020, we almost always had a result on election night. And now with better technology and better procedures and everything else, you can't get it counted and you're using computers and sorting machines. That's just unacceptable. Let's go to David. Hey, David, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
4: Yeah, Lars, well, I just kind of wanted to talk to you about, I'm one of those 8,000 disenfranchised voters um, I uh, I left the state in May. I had to move down to the South to take care of elderly parents, and I figured I would be gone a lot longer, so I sold my house here, bought a house there. Um, ended up, things kind of, the situation took care of itself, and I moved back here um, in August. Went to the DMV, registered, or get a new driver's license, because I had surrendered my old one in, the, in Alabama. Yep. And, um, and was told I asked I said do I need to do anything to register it? and they're like nope we'll take care of it. Well my wife went a couple of days after me, um, and she received her ballot a couple couple days ago about a week ago, and I hadn't still received my ballot. And I asked her you know well did you did you do anything different? She goes no she goes maybe you should go down to the courthouse. So I went to the Deschutes County courthouse, and I said I haven't got my ballot yet. My wife got hers um can you check on that and they're like yep looks like you missed the deadline and i'm like what do you mean i missed the deadline oh your voter registration came in after the deadline and i said well that's kind of funny because my wife went to the dmv several days after me and she's already got her ballot is that because she's a registered democrat and i'm registered republican and of course i got the pushback of no 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 (laughs) not once was i offered a provisional ballot Not once did they say anything about a provisional ballot. I had to look the guy in the face and go, well, can I get a provisional ballot? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that for you.
0: You know what, David, I want your contact information. Dusty, would you grab that? It's First Amendment Friday. Lars here with a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they would be? The answer, they're probably among the millions of Americans who prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with those empty store shelves. Is yours? Mine is. If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits, at least one for every member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2000 calories per day. that's what you need. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits right now by going to mypatriotsupply.com. Your order ships fast and arrives discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now before the next news headline stuns the world. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. That's mypatriotsupply.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on First Amendment Friday. Always glad to get your calls. And, of course, I get some of the most unusual calls on First Amendment Friday, and that's a good thing. And, in fact, naysayer calls are always welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Our Twitter poll today, should biological men be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants? I said no. So did the Miss United States of America pageant say no. And now, I, 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 every once in a while, the Ninth Circus Court comes up with the right decision. Even the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals, one of the most maligned and overturned federal appeals courts in America, bar none, has said no. Nope, Now, if you're a transgender, you can't compete in a a women's beauty pageant. You'll find the question at Lars Larson Show and is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Well, we're heading up to the election on Tuesday, and I'm kind of expecting that, as one of my emailers pointed out, Shellac is going to be in short supply at your hardware store because I think just about everybody, including the Democrats, thinks the Democrats are going to take a shellacking on Tuesday. And one place where I I, I hope the most that they face a shellacking is in Oregon's fourth congressional district, which has been held far too long, more than a third of a century, by Peter DeFazio, a longtime Democrat. And he's finally leaving the office, and I hope that Alec Scarlatos is chosen by the voters to represent the 4th District after that. Alec, welcome back to the program.
8: Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it.
0: Would you mind telling my audience the specific things you think you can do from Congress to try to solve some of the major problems for this country. And I, by major problems, I don't mean abortion. That's been resolved by the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean the inflation, the high crime, uh, trillion or uh, tens of billions of dollars being sent off to Ukraine, threats from other parts of the world, a U.S. military that's being diminished. How do you go after that? Should the voters choose you, as I believe they will on Tuesday? Well, that's a lot
8: to impact there. Um, I would say that uh, with the military, I think we need to hold a lot of uh, generals accountable for what happened in Afghanistan, as well as officials and the Biden administration on inflation. I mean, the most obvious thing we can do is solve the supply chain crisis and stop spending so much freaking money. Forty um, percent of the entire national debt has occurred while Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House. If you actually think about that, that's insane. Uh, so we need to fire Nancy Pelosi. Republicans need to take back the House when you stop spending money. Uh, We need to become energy independent again to lower gas prices. We need to do a lot of the common sense stuff that I think people in both parties want, things like even term limits. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough getting a lot of Republicans to even vote for that as well. uh, But it's one of those kind of populist issues that I think we can win a lot of voters on. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, that's, I think, the long and short of it. I mean, we need to start holding criminals accountable for breaking the laws. I mean, they just found 18 pounds of fentanyl uh, in Eugene. Oregon. I mean, this is a college town. He had $47,000, 12 guns, and 18 pounds of fentanyl on October 25th. I, mean, I, think we did,
0: I think we did the math on that, Alec. I think it's enough to kill just about everybody in the state. Uh, it's enough to kill almost 4 million people uh, based on what a killing dose of fentanyl is. And there are too many families losing very young people to using fentanyl. They shouldn't be using illegal drugs. But the fact that it's being allowed to just flow across our southern border is outrageous. It's, it's killing Americans.
8: Well, absolutely. And, you know, everyone talks about the rising crime rate uh, in Portland, which has gone up a ridiculous amount. But, I mean, it's really going up across the entire country even in some of the college towns like Eugene and some of the rural areas as well. And we need to start enforcing our laws and funding our police.
0: So uh, what is is your opponent, Val Hoyle, making any traction at all with voters by, by proposing the liberal things that Democrats like to propose?
8: Um, not really. I mean, she's been running pretty much the entire campaign on abortion and come to find out when people can barely afford to feed themselves or fill up their gas tank, it's not the... Top of their priority list. So now she's just now, I think a week or two ago, starting to talk about how she's going to work across the aisle and help fight inflation. But I mean, she has a Democrat for Congress on her sign. She's running in a Democrat district. She has no incentive to work across the aisle, whereas I do running as a Republican in a Democrat district. Uh, so I just hope the voters can see through that and realize that only one party is actually going to hold the Biden administration accountable.
0: See, I'd love to talk to Val Hoyle. We've invited her to come on the show, but you know, when when you say when she says you're going to fight inflation, I, I take it she's not including in that fight any effort to say, and we need to stop spending gigantic gigantic amounts of money at the federal level and just shoveling out cash. In fact, if anything, I would bet she's probably promising that if America goes into economic distress in the next year, and I kind of think we will, uh, that that her plan would be to shovel out even more cash.
8: Well, exactly. I mean, like I said, 40% of the national debt has occurred under Nancy Pelosi's speakership. And if by some miracle Democrats hold the House, you know Val Hoyle is going to vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker again, and it's just going to continue the problem. The problem is going to get significantly worse. Uh, but I luckily, I don't think that's the case. I think Republicans are going to take back the House, probably the Senate as well. Um, hopefully, it's a great year. I mean, we definitely need the help here in Oregon, and I would just encourage everyone out there. I mean, red waves do not happen by accident. Uh, we create them. And so if you've already turned in your ballot, talk to someone else who hasn't turned in their ballot and get them to turn their ballot in. Uh, and if you haven't turned in your ballot, please make sure you do it uh, by 8 p.m. on November 8th.
0: You know what? You know, it's got to be maddening for you. And, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I don't I don't ever aspire to run for political office. But to sit there and know, that we won't get 100% GOP turnout on Election Day. And when you think about all the thousands or tens of thousands of, of Republican ballots that won't even be marked and cast on Tuesday, and that you may only need, I mean, it may come down, I don't know if it's a tight race, I haven't seen any internal polling on it, But a tight race could be resolved by a few hundred or perhaps a few thousand votes. And there will be at least that many Republicans who just decide to sit at home on Tuesday and then carp about the results after they don't get what they want. What do you say to that?
8: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, this is going to be a very tight race. We're tied in the polls going into this turnout could very well win or lose us this seat. Um, And so I just want to encourage everyone to turn out and vote because, I mean, it's incredibly easy in Oregon. The ballots are pre-stamped. You can even drop your ballot in the mail on election day. We prefer you drop it in a drop box, but just as long as we get them in. And I mean, it's it's incredible, you know, that midterms have lower turnout in this kind of a midterm when the country's in crisis. We have runaway inflation, gas prices, crime, everything that's going on. We should have Republican turnout like this is, you know, an, a, a regular presidential election. We should have turnout that's through the roof. And while we are still barely in the lead on a percentage basis above the Democrats, I mean, it's not enough to feel comfortable and it's not enough to assure that this red wave is actually going to happen. So please get all your friends and family to turn in their ballots.
0: Well, Alec, you know, you've got my endorsement. I don't live in your district, but the only, only specific request I'd ask of you is when you get back there, and I think you will, Just make sure that Republicans maintain their backbone and actually do what they promise to do. That's Alex Scarlato's running for Oregon's fourth congressional district. His opponent, Democrat Val Hoyle, won't even come on and answer questions. Alec, thank you very much for that. Back in just a moment, I'll get to your phone calls, emails, and Donald Trump drops a giant hint. We'll let you hear it next
7: getting more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country by far. And now, in order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Very, very, very probably.
4: Get ready, that's all I'm telling you, very soon.
0: Get ready. That is Donald Trump, and he was in Sioux City, Iowa yesterday. And I know that a lot of you may be frustrated by the fact that he hasn't actually announced yet. He's just hinted at it very broadly. I think that was the broadest hint that I've heard so far. But there's a reason for it. Let me tell you that in a moment. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. And naysayers, you'll always go right to the head of the line. We'll put you first, unless we happen to have new two naysayers, in which case I kind of have to flip a coin and decide who goes first. But there's a simple reason that Donald Trump uh, has not officially announced that he's running. I think everybody who knows him, everybody who's watched him over these years knows he's going to run in 24. He is the odds on favorite to take the nomination easily from the GOP in the summer of 24 and win in the fall and that's why most of the Democrats are just beside themselves. They're absolutely going nuts about the fact that Trump's going to run. Now, I mean, if they really thought he was the biggest loser as they've tried to paint him, they'd say, well, we don't care if he runs or not. We're going to beat him. Except they know that Donald Trump is likely to win. And they don't like the people actually choosing the president of the United States. Uh, I think from the standpoint of liberals and Democrats, They want the party, the Democrat party, to choose who wins and who loses. And if you deny an election and you're a Republican, well, then you're an election denier. On the other hand, if you're a Democrat, like Stacey Abrams or Hillary Clinton, the list goes on and on of Democrat election deniers. Well, then you're just standing up for what's right. Now, that's kind of crazy. The reason that Trump can't officially come out and announce is the minute he announces that he is running, then certain federal laws and even state laws click into place about how much money can be raised about how the money can be raised about reporting requirements and the whole marianne so that's why trump is holding off although the latest reports i've seen say it is right now the 4th of november i'm hearing november 14th as the day that donald trump plans to announce And if next Tuesday's election does not make the liberals' heads explode, then November 14th will certainly do that. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Let me give you one example, because I've been giving you examples of where elections have gone sideways. And if you listen to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or any of the other officials at the federal level, if you listen to liberal Democrats at the state level, They'll tell you our elections are as pure as the driven snow. They are just completely perfect. There is no better election system. I want you to consider the news that broke yesterday. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Wisconsin was a big battleground state. It was also a state where a lot of cheating was discovered, where ballot mules were going to places like, an activist. they were going to nursing homes, they were getting people to vote. These, some of these people, God bless them, don't even recognize members of their families anymore. That is because of their mental state. And I have a lot of sympathy for somebody in that situation. But when young activists come in and say, hey, can I help you mark your ballot? You understand, that's completely illegitimate. But a lot of other illegitimate things are happening as well. Milwaukee's mayor, Cavalier Johnson, announced yesterday that the deputy director of Milwaukee Elections Commission has been fired. Why? Because that deputy director fraudulently requested military absentee ballots and then sent them, apparently accidentally, to a Wisconsin state representative. And that state representative came forward and said, hey, I don't understand why I'm getting military ballots, which in Wisconsin can only be requested by somebody serving the military who needs to vote by absentee, and they have a special ballot just for the military. Mayor Johnson said that he fired the city election official as soon as he learned of the allegation. The election official in question is Milwaukee Election Commission Deputy Director Kimberly Zapata. Johnson said Zapata sought fictitious military ballots from a state election website and had those ballots sent to a state representative who happened to be from the other party. And Zapata did so to expose, he says, a vulnerability in state law. I will not accept I will not tolerate and I will not defend any misrepresentation by a city official involved in elections. You can't have this kind of stuff going on. And you also can't have politicians like Joe Biden or anybody else saying we've got these rock solid elections and then find out that people are sending phony ballots around. This is a problem. It's a problem the left does not want to confront. It's one that should be easily solved. And unfortunately, they're not interested in solving it because it works out so well for one political party. And that is the Democrat Party. Let's go to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the Lars Larson show. Hey, Jerry. Okay, sorry you missed your opportunity. Let's go to William. Hey, William, welcome to the Lars Larson show. What's on your mind?
9: Thank you. Appreciate it. To address the transgender uh, transgender uh, beauty pageant, um, oh, our, our, I'm our against Twitter that poll. because we yeah, don't want to use. Go
10: ahead.
9: Right, I don't want to use. Uh, I'm I don't. I'm opposed to using our elementary schools in that fashion. But um, what I wanted to talk about is the Democratic tell. So Democrats okay. do like a, a poker tell, if you will, where they transmit what they're doing in in uh, accusations of Republicans doing it. Case in point. Um, the Russian collusion, the only Russian collusion in the election was Perkins Coie on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the Russians. Yep. And that's been proven. I agree. And, um, you know, it's just a double standard. For instance, you know, how they're investigating, I'm sure, the Trump kids while Hunter Biden's laptop staring him in the face. And I agree with one you. One more point. I
0: mean, yes.
9: Portland. I can't think of a better place to film a zombie movie. <laughs>
0: William, I appreciate the call. And he's right. It's called projection. When you accuse somebody else of something that you know yourself you've been doing, it's trying to cover up. You're trying to say, well, that person's doing it. Well, hold on. Why don't we take a look at what you've been doing? When the Democrats say, well, they're colluding with the Russians. And as William pointed out, uh, they were actually, they were colluding with the Russians. But it wasn't Donald Trump. It was Hillary Clinton and the DNC to come up with the Steele dossier. Let's go to Steve. Hey, Steve, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. Do you have a uh, thought on the president's erstwhile press secretary, Karine Jean Pierre?
11: I do, Lars. In fact, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just becoming increasingly frustrated with our government in general, and um, the frustration kind of uh, came to a head when she was appointed uh, the, the recent press secretary. And I kind of wanted to talk about cocones in general and. The frustration is such that you can't have a a person that is in that of an important position in our government where we're supposed to be getting information, correct information every single day, and the Biden administration, the Democrats continue to appoint people that are not capable of doing that job. Um, We're the most sophisticated and technologically advanced country in the world, and we have a very uninformed, incapable, and very unsophisticated person in the role of our you know, press secretary that we expect information out of every day. It is Absolutely insulting. right.
0: Uh, unfortunately, we're up against the clock, Steve. Thank you welcome back to the lars larson show it's a pleasure to be with you on a first amendment friday i'm always glad to get your calls at 866 hey lars and as you know naysayers go right to the head of the line haven't had a good one yet today but it's there's always time 866-439-5277 if you want to you can send an email talk at larslarson.com and yes they all come directly to me and nobody else you can vote in our twitter poll has to do with transgender and beauty pageants and the ninth circus court decision about that this week i want to talk about jobs for a moment and because i'm not a jobs expert i decided to include austin bannon who is a senior policy analyst at americans for prosperity austin welcome back to the program thanks for having me excited to be here so let me ask you this, uh, two hundred and sixty one thousand jobs added in October. yeah, unemployment edged up a little bit. And as I said, I'm not in you're you're the expert, not me. But am I right to be a little bit suspicious of this? because I hear about all these major tech companies and employers that are laying off right and left and and others, uh, I've seen surveys of small business that say half of them are preparing for layoffs in the months ahead. And to see this kind of rosy result or better than expected result, to be fair about it, am I right to be a little bit suspicious that we've seen previous administrations monkey with the numbers before an election and then afterwards they do a correction in November or later in the month, whatever month it happens to be, um, and say, oh yeah, we goofed on that number, we're going to have to adjust it. Am I right to be suspicious or am, am I too cynical?
5: Well, you're never wrong to be suspicious when we're talking about government statistics or, or, or evaluating these things. And you're right, there could be adjustments. Uh, what I would say is that it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, right now, the, the issue is that, uh, as, as a lot of people know, the Federal Reserve has been, been raising interest rates. And one of the reasons they're trying to do that is slow our economy. Obviously, that's unfortunate that they're trying to inflict pain on us when a lot of uh, Washington policies and spending and bad policies sort of got us into this circumstance. But right now, I, I think what i'd I'd say is that there's still a bit of job growth because while there's inflation going going rampant like it is right now, families are trying to weather that storm. They're trying to uh, you know account for that cost of living. And businesses, unfortunately, that the job openings are still increasing. Uh, it's back up to, I believe the report was ten point seven million uh, open jobs. It's about one point nine per person looking for a job. So businesses are still having to offer some increased wages just to keep up with inflation. So really, I kind of think it's a calm before the storm. Eventually, uh, the the employment sector really may drop uh, You know the, the situation um, as these interest rates rise and, and, and there's an effort to retract our economy.
0: So an analyst like you can look at the horizon and say, it's coming at us. It just hasn't arrived yet. So we get a little bit of good news from the October jobs report. Is that it?
5: I think that's kind of the case right now. Yeah. And, and you know, you don't want to the misfortune for anyone who did earn a job right now but yeah that's the unfortunate part is um you know this is, is unfortunately looked at as bad news by the federal reserve uh and a lot of people in the marketplace and you're right a lot of businesses are bracing uh for what may come a lot are predicting a recession I know that's already been debated this year uh, over a period of time but but seems increasingly likely next year as an intentional policy uh so that's you know very unfortunate for the for the workplace into the future but um but right now, we just haven't quite seen it
0: materialize. See, and and this is the thing you mentioned. The Fed, I I, I am incredibly skeptical of the Fed. I I, I know their theoretically their job is put on the brakes when the economy gets too hot, uh, pour on the gas when the economy starts to cool down, and help things adjust. And frankly, I don't see them being successful at either job very very well. And I think what they mostly do is is mess things up. That if the economy is starting to take off. Let it take off. Let the marketplace decide it's smart enough. And I think it's smarter than the Fed. Now, maybe that's a too simplistic uh, viewpoint on what's going on. But to use your analogy or to use an analogy, it's it's almost like, you know, you've got a family and dad is spending too much money. He's out buying everything. And mom says, now I'm going to have to work two jobs. And 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 when the real solution isn't to have mom work two jobs is to have dad slow down on his spending. So we've got the federal government is daddy government that's out just throwing cash around to everyone uh, and and it's inflating the economy. And you say, now, because daddy government is doing this, you know, everybody else in the economy has to work harder and sacrifice to make up for what they're doing. I don't like that at all. In fact, that seems more like the citizen serving government than government serving citizens.
5: You're right. And I know one of the excuses um, for some in terms of inflation is, well, look, at it, it's a global phenomenon. But really, if you look at what most governments did when the COVID-19 sort of pandemic onset occurred, as they restricted their economies and they spent a bunch of money. Uh, so just because other countries did it didn't mean it was a good choice uh, for leadership uh, in ours uh, to kind of follow suit. So the fact that there's uh, you know some global phenomenon with this, uh, you can't ignore that America will be completely unscathed by that. But policies that happen domestically absolutely have have played a role and and continue to fuel it. And we don't know where the horizon ends. We're going to continue to look over that horizon. When does inflation uh, slow down? And, And what does it look like for us on the other side of it?
0: I'm talking to Austin Bannon, who's a senior policy analyst at Americans for Prosperity. Well, that's the other irritating thing. is Joe Biden keeps running around the country saying, "Well, this isn't my problem. This is inflation caused by Vladimir Putin, even though the inflation really started to kick off in the summer of last year, long before Putin went into Ukraine. And he also says, "Well, America's not very bad at all. It's Europe that's in the tank." uh europe's having a big problem with inflation well i looked up the numbers and and even the president's uh, supporters have to say yeah that's not true either There are european countries with lower levels of inflation and there are a, a few with higher but it's not as though the united states is is sort of at the top of the pile or doing the best when it comes to inflation america seems to be uh You know, up there, pretty good. We got we got some pretty high numbers right now. Is the president? Does the president have any legitimate basis for saying this is a smaller problem for us? It's all the other countries that are suffering from inflation worse than we are.
5: Not a perspective I see, and I will also say, working in the employment space, I'm focusing closely on the policies that they're they're trying to push. And really, they've done a lot to to be in play here as to why we're worried about this runaway inflation, all the supply chain disruptions that have occurred, uh, a lot of policies right now favored by the Biden administration. Uh, Even on the regulatory side, there's actually uh, some work by the National Labor Relations Board and the Department of Labor to undermine independent contracting, to undermine franchises and vendors. A lot of uh, small business entrepreneurs with new regulations, they're going to try to reclassify uh, smaller businesses uh, and absorb them into larger businesses. Uh, they're trying to take away flexible work options, and that's what the American public started to prefer. Uh, but The people who work as independent contractors, nine out of ten of them prefer that type of career. There's 59 million freelancers in the U.S. economy right now, and yet right now as, as we're worried about job losses uh, on the horizon and how people are going to sort of you know, survive this, uh, this circumstance and how businesses will try to innovate to deal with the, the pain that's going to be inflicted on them increasingly, Where there's actually a lot of policies right now that are gonna, you know, potentially push us into a worse situation than the economy, you know, would, would be able to solve on its own.
0: Well, Austin, let me ask you one more thing on that, on, on gig, on the gig economy, the independent contractor. I, I know the idiots in Sacramento, I don't live in California, but they decided to effectively make gig, the gig economy illegal. And now it sounds like the U.S. Department of Labor, not through Congress, but through regulation, wants to take that kind of no gig workers at all and take it nationwide. Is, the, is that the case?
5: Absolutely. There's a, uh, there's a movement right now. Um, not only was the Pro act. Uh, a big priority in Congress and by President Biden, which would have created the ABC test that exists in California across the nation. Uh, And not to mention, it would have taken away rights to work and a lot of other worker rights uh, in favor of unions. But now there's a push on the opposite side. On the regulatory side, they're trying to create new employment tests essentially to reclassify workers. They think that uh, these workers don't know best for themselves, but survey after survey shows they're highly satisfied with that type of, of work they want the flexibility. It's what they needed for their families. It's what they wanted to do to break away and become entrepreneurs and start small businesses that rise into bigger ones.
0: That's what you got to do. Austin Bannon from the Americans for Prosperity. Back in a moment. It's First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show welcome back to the lars larson show i want to get to your phone calls but i want to start first uh, by mentioning that this segment is brought to you by NickShivers.com for an instant offer to sell your home immediately no showing no hassles and you pick the closing date NickShivers.com for details secondarily our twitter poll should a biological man be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants i said no to that idea There was a young lady who wanted to compete in the Miss United States of America pageant. Uh, The pageant said, no, we only allow natural born women. This person was a trans. Anita Green uh, took her case, his case, whatever, uh, to court. The Ninth Circus Court of Appeals said, nope. Uh, no, you don't have, you, you don't have any right to do that. And so that's our Twitter poll question today. I think fairly easily answered brought to you by ultimate truck services. If you rely on trucks for business, ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running, right? Find them at ultimate Now, occasionally we do what I call a radio kiss and this one I thought was fantastic, a softball team that's raising money, the West Salem High School Girls softball team, and they're raising money, and they know how to sell raffle tickets uh, because they're raffling off some rifles and pistols. Cody Pyle joins me now. Cody, what, you're not playing on the team. Are you one of the coaches or parents?
10: No, uh, one of the supportive parents.
0: Very good. So what's, what's on the agenda for the raffle? What, what can people win, and how do people get tickets?
10: Well, so what we have is uh, an AR pistol chambered in 7.62x39. Got some accessories with it, clips, flip-up sights. Um, It's got just under 200 rounds. And then we have a Sig Sauer 22-caliber Mosquito pistol um, with clips and ammo. And we're trying to raffle it off to raise money for the girls' 14U uh, West Salem Titans softball traveling team.
0: How many uh, tickets are you going to get
10: some tournaments and
0: whatnot? Sure. At $50 piece how many tickets do you are you going to sell? We're only going to sell 300. 300 tickets. So if you buy a ticket or a couple of tickets, you got a pretty good chance to win.
10: Now, I tried to make it appealing, you know. No,
0: I figure you go buy def- a box
10: ammo these days at 50 bucks.
0: That's right. Uh, one freedom dispenser at gmail dot com is the way it goes. Enumeral one freedom dispenser at gmail dot com is how you get involved and buy the tickets.
10: Yep, that's one way of doing it. The other one is uh, you can text a phone number five four one nine nine zero seven eight seven nine, and I can get you in touch with the same information.
0: Very good. Thanks. Thanks very much. And good luck to the girls softball team. We've helped out a number of them raise money over the years, including the one that Raffled off a a 50 caliber Barrett rifle. And that one raised, I think, $38,000 for the girls softball team. Let's go to Jason first. Hey, Jason, it's First Amendment Friday. Welcome to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind today?
10: Hey, Lars, it sounds like uh, Donald Trump's keeping his powder dry. He's got to. He's going to fire when he sees the whites of their eyes, I think.
0: He, he's got to do that if he's going to... Otherwise, the minute he announces he's got all these reporting requirements and limitations and all that, he doesn't need that, but I think it sounds like November 14th he's going to announce. Now, what did you want to comment on today?
10: I want to talk about the homeless problem in Portland. Um, Mayor Wheeler, he, he went to Harvard. He needs to get his math straight. I mean, 250 people in these camps, at times three camps, that's that's only that's only like like so no. many... at 750 he's actually he
0: he originally proposed 500 person camps uh and five of them that would have been 2,500 people that got pared down by his fellow city council members to 250 per camp times six camps which the math tells me 1,500 so his idea of 2,500 tents has been cut back to 1,500 but the worst thing is, they say, we haven't figured out what neighborhoods to jam it into. And I predict the neighborhoods are going to be very unhappy with this. That's yeah, I, number I hope one. they
10: can count the ballots a lot better than they can count uh, their homeless.
0: I certainly hope so. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Ron in Tacoma. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network, and thanks for listening on KVI. What's on your mind?
12: Well, I'll tell you, Lars, what's on my mind today is uh, employment freedom. I just listened to your last segment there. It sounds like the Democrats are now are just going to take away our employment freedom. So here we go. It sounds like they're mandating employment slavery. Because if you can't choose what you do for a living and they're taking away your right to choose, sounds like employment slavery to me, sir.
0: It sounds like it to me, too. And, Ron, you realize that this factors into the supply chain as well? An awful lot of people, both men and women, who drive long-haul trucks they don't want to work for a w-2 paycheck they want to own their own truck take the responsibility and there's a lot of responsibility in owning a big expensive piece of equipment but they say i want to be an independent contractor california says to you you cannot be an independent contractor you must be a w-2 employee to drive a truck and of course since so much cargo comes in at the ports in in uh, long beach and other parts of of california Uh, That limits the number of trucks who can come into the state and pick up that cargo or take the cargo to the ports. So they've created two problems. They've told Americans you can't own your own business, even if your business has 18 wheels, and and you can't come pick up cargo. Does anybody think that's sensible?
12: I don't. I certainly don't. It sounds like they're just trying to keep everybody in servitude to somebody else.
5: That sounds like slavery.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what, Ron? The other thing is what I brought up is that the Biden administration, apparently after the election, they're going to lose on Tuesday, plans to put this in place. They want to do it nationwide, but they don't want to do it through Congress with our representatives because they know they can't get it passed by the people's representatives. So what they propose to do is they propose to do it through regulations. So that means nameless, faceless bureaucrats that you never voted for and you can't hold accountable, they're going to make the decision about whether or not you get to work the gig you want to work. And 60 million Americans work those kind of jobs.
2: Oregon Utility Notification Center wants to remind you that whether you're planting a tree, building a fence, or just making improvements around your farm or home, click or call before you start your work to get the area marked. Then dig safely and avoid contact with buried utilities. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones. Know what's below. Call before you dig. For more information, visit us online at
0: digsafelyoregon.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get your calls, especially on a First Amendment Friday. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's 866-HEY-LARS, and naysayers always go first. Vote in our Twitter poll, at Lars Show, and if you want to send an email, talk at LarsLarson.com, and it's a, a special pleasure to welcome the woman that I believe will become the next governor of Oregon after swor- being sworn in in January, after the voters choose her on this coming Tuesday. So if you've got a ballot in your hand for Oregon, I have only a Washington ballot, so I can't vote for Christine Drazen, but she knows she has my endorsement. Christine, welcome back to the program.
13: Thanks so much for having me, Lars. It's good to be back.
0: Well, I know it's going to be tight. Uh, I know, well, I guess I know as much as anybody does. You look at the polls, and it appears you have been leading all the way, I think, since June, but not by a gigantic lead. But as Betsy Johnson's campaign has faltered, and you're running against Tina Kotek, you have consistently stayed ahead of her. I want to ask you about, before we get to sex offenders and how Kate Brown and Tina Kotek have been far too lenient, let me ask you about something else. Both of you served in the legislature. Tina Kotek is House Speaker. You served in an important Republican position. Is Tina Kotek a workplace bully?
13: Hundred percent. Here's the thing about the absolute uh, miscarriage of justice that happened in the in the conduct committee review. Lobbyists have rules and co- a code of conduct for how they can operate, how they can lobby, how they can engage. If they even would have applied those basic standards to the Speaker of the House, they would have found her to have broken all of those standards and all of those rules. She is, in fact, a bully and she doesn't keep her word. Um, I was stunned, stunned that the Democrats supported her harassment, intimidation and bullying. I thought the
0: Democrats were the party of, you know, hashtag me too and every victim has to be believed and everything else.
13: Not, not when it, not when you're a pragmatic uh, leader like Tina Kotek claims to be, where she can say and do anything as long as, as long as they win at the end of the day.
0: I, I guess the thing I ask about is in, on a lot of races, president, senate, uh, governor races like that. We say we care about this person's values and we care about this person's behavior that that either tells us something about their values or belies the things they claim about their values. What does it say about Tina Kotek that she literally would go to one of her Democrat colleagues and say, you either back my bill or I'm going to like the old Hollywood line, you'll never work again in this town. I'll ruin you. I will. I will absolutely ruin you. And her own Democrat friends say, "Okay, we're going to we're going to push this one under the rug until after Tina becomes governor.
13: It's hypocrisy. It's absolute hypocrisy.
0: Nothing to be done about it now, though. Let, let's talk about something else that actually is outside of, of politics, although it's in politics. And that is that both Kate, Kate Brown and Kate Brown 2.0, Tina Kotech, have been far too lenient to people not accused, but people convicted of sexual assault. Would you describe that uh, to the folks who are listening who may be inspired to say, OK, Christine Drazen's the one I want instead of Tina Kotech uh, when I mark my ballot for Tuesday?
13: Yeah, we have an absolute crisis in the state of Oregon when it comes to uh, sex offenders, and in particular, violent sex offenders like Richard Gilmore, that Kate Brown's administration, with the support of Tina Kotek, as Speaker of the House, has, in fact, made Oregonians less safe. He's going to be released. He's going to be put out on parole as a level one offender, which means he won't be put on any list for any neighbors to be notified if he moves into their neighborhood. As governor, I will use my power of the governor's office to, to to force that issue and to put him under a level of supervision that the people that are across Oregon will know where he is and that they will not, in fact, be living next to a sex offender as dangerous and violent as he is. Unaware, it isn't. It is dangerous for Oregonians to have people that are soft on crime as Tina Kotek and Kate Brown. We can. We can't continue this way people are less safe today because of them.
0: I mean, because Ms. Drazen, uh, this is the one that really came home to me because this guy, I've covered this guy over the years. I've talked to his victims. He was a serial rapist. He wasn't convicted of as many crimes as he actually admitted to uh, because he was beyond the statute of limitations. But now they're going to cut him loose in a month and all because of Kate Brown primarily, but with no objection from Tina Kotek. And they say he's a low-level sex offender. Why? Because of his advanced age of sixty-three. Well, Christine, uh, I turn sixty-four next March. I don't think of myself as advanced age, and I don't think sixty-three necessarily takes a serial rapist out of the stalking business. Sad to say.
13: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. This this decision has very real consequences for Oregonians. This is not a safe man to just allow him to reenter society.
0: And did Tina Kotek, on the more general question of the kind of crime wave that came over Oregon in the last couple of years, we saw riots, we saw arson, we saw looting, we saw murder, we saw assaults mm-hmm. on cops and citizens. When she was House Speaker, did she say anything at all to say, we've got to stop this stuff from going on?
13: No, she she marched with the rioters. She, she was some version of actively engaged to silent. That, that's the range of Tina Kotex engagement. She absolutely aligned with people who wanted, who wanted to release rapists, murders, criminals from our prisons and make Oregon less safe. She does not believe that people should, in fact, be in prison. She's the same as Kate Brown in that way. Kate had a mass prisoner release program that Tina never said a word about. I stood up against Kate Brown's release of dangerous and violent criminals throughout her time in these final years as governor of the state of Oregon. Tina was silent. Tina aligned with Kate every opportunity she could to make our state less safe.
0: By the way, I've been raising the issue for the last two years of election integrity. Um, You were one of the six candidates I talked to back before the primary, and I asked each one of you, and you said yes, Will you do a forensic audit of Oregon elections? Will you still commit to that? Because I think we've got even more reason to be concerned today than we did back then.
13: We have to We have to be assured that our elections are, in fact, uh, accurate, that voters that are eligible to vote, vote. This is going to be a close election. Every single vote is going to count. And it's it's never been more important for Oregonians to have their voices heard. If you want change, turn in your ballot, and we will do everything that we can to ensure that this election... Uh, is fairly counted, and that we have the rightful winner on the other side of this
0: thing. You know, because I keep getting call. I got a call from, uh, an hour ago from a guy who said, look, I moved away from Oregon for a few months, take care of family, move back. My wife and I, I went down and got my license. My wife went down a few days later. She got her ballot. I didn't get mine. This guy went down to the elections office in Deschutes County. And they said, I'm sorry, you're not registered. You missed the deadline. He said, well, my wife registered a few days after I did in getting her driver's license. And he had to actually ask a person, well, am I entitled to a provisional battle ballot? And and they finally said, well, yeah, you are. But they didn't make any special effort. And by the way, his wife, who got uh, registered right away, is a registered Democrat. Uh, this guy, who called me, is a registered mm. Republican. So he's a mixed... He's in a mixed family, and somehow his wife got registered as a Democrat, and he got not registered as a Republican. That is Christine Drazen. I believe on Tuesday, Oregon voters will choose her, and I think it would be absolutely lunatic for them to choose Tina Kotek. Back in just a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails. It's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. Welcome back to the Lars Larson show. It's a pleasure to be with you and always glad to take your calls on a first amendment Friday at eight, six, six. Hey, Lars, that's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And boy, the emails I'm getting with people's horror stories already about the election and the election hasn't even happened yet. Uh, you know, there are people telling me they've missed out on opportunities to vote and not through their own fault. And of course I'm getting a lot of emails about the transgender topic, we put it up as our Twitter poll, and of course, you can find our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show and at larslarson.com. Uh, brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. Uh, find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Should biological men be allowed to compete against women in beauty pageants? I said no to it. You can vote any way you like. Well, I got this from Miranda. Lars, I'm a transgender female, currently male. I believe there are only two genders. I am male, becoming female, and I don't believe transgender people should be allowed in cisgender events like beauty pageants that you're speaking of or sporting events. The guy, and yes, I mean the guy, and people like him that are posers are doing more damage to the transgender community, sign Miranda. Miranda, good for you for understanding what's going on here. Let's go first to Lisa in Richland, listening on the great K-O-N-A AM 610. Hey, Lisa, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
12: Hey, Mark. Uh Well, there's a lot on my mind, but the first thing is I want to tell you I love your show. I Thank listen you. all the time, as well as my family does. So I want to say hey to Sister Jill and hey to, to Brother Mark, because they're <laughs> listening as well. That's cute. Um, I want to tell you that I voted today. I put my ballot in the ballot box. I did vote all the way down the Republican, just all the way down the ballot. I I have not always done that Um, when I was younger. I was pretty idealistic, and I wanted to always, you know, look at the candidates. But I, I see the mess that we're in today, and I know that there's no Democrat that is going to solve any problem that we have. So I did vote Republican all the way down the ballot. But my point today is that we can't just there's there's just like so much energy about, you know, what to do right now, what to do right now. And then we all vote and voting day comes and then we're done. And then, you know, we kind of focus on other things. We can't do that anymore. We can't. We have to. We have to be communicating with our elected officials and we need to be telling them to stop spending money that we don't have. The situation that we're in right now, we're facing a depression, which nobody that I know who's alive right now. um,
0: The worst we've seen was 08 and 08 was bad enough. But can you imagine something that could be 08 and then some?
12: Well, that was a recession and that was severe. And I remember my parents paying 18% on a home loan when I was a, a, a young child. And I'm at three and a half and it's growing. It's just crazy right now that, and, and I, all my friends, they're talking about I only have $300 in, the, in my savings account. Or my checking account, what are we going to do? People are completely afraid right now. And it is, we are heading for a disaster. And if you listen to Joe Biden and the things that he says, and all he's doing is blaming all Republicans are going to destroy Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all that stuff we're We're in a mess right now
0: we're in- I, I agree and and Lisa, think what's strip all those folks you know who've got 300 bucks in their che- in their savings account for the rainy day that mm-hmm. that probably will come what has stripped the money out? Well, grocery prices up thirteen and a half percent that alone has stripped a lot of budgets and and then if mm-hmm. mom or dad or both have to buy fuel just to get to work and run the necessary errands, the fuel prices are up gigantically. See, a lot of people want to do it on a twelve month average. I started on the day he took office. $239 a gallon. What is it now? It's in the high threes in the Northwest, in the high fours, uh and and so you're talking about another two dollars a gallon. Well, even if mom and dad are very thrifty about their use of fuel, uh two dollars a gallon more every single month times even fifty gallons, that's a ton of money. And, and it strips your savings account bare. And you're absolutely right. And about voting straight party ticket, Lisa, I look at every single candidate individually. And if I found a worthy Democrat, I've, I have voted for worthy Democrats in the past. It's been a long time. But here's what would give me more faith to vote for them. If any one of them had stood up and said, hey, the stuff we're doing in a D.C., and whether they're a member of Congress or a member of the state legislature or a member of the city council, if any of those liberal Democrats had stood up and say, Hey, this stuff is wrong. Now, across America, there are a very few Democrats who've actually stood up and objected. There's one in Texas, uh, who's a Democrat who's objected to the, the border policies. But for the most part, they all just say, whatever Joe's doing, that's okay. Even, even when the evidence is right in front of them, this is hurting Americans every day. So if they've chosen to buy into Joe's policies by not objecting to them one little bit, I mean, you're just saying, I'm just a party-line voter as a member of Congress. Well, then, why should voters be anything different than a party-line voter if that's what members of Congress are going to do? Lisa, thanks for the call from the Tri-Cities. Let's go to David. Hey, David, it's First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind?
5: Hello. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I love your show. Thank you, sir. I've got the rally rally cry that I I don't understand why it's not being yelled loudly throughout the rural areas of southern Oregon. and and Western Oregon and Eastern Oregon. Why not give us a try? Name recognition. Where are the big-name Republicans that can come in and will draw a crowd and get these people some hope? Rally cry. Why not give us a try? Why are they not here showing the country folks they care?
0: There have been. There have been a number of bigger names. And I've asked about Trump you no, know, because Joe Kent, who I endorsed you know, for Washington's third congressional, I asked him straight out on the air, Have you asked Trump to come? And he said, Yeah, we have. And David, I hate to tell you this but I understand why it hasn't happened. Um, because oh, he, I, think I do too. I do too. It's, it's I mean, the funny. secret service said, where are the two closest airports? And he said, we had to tell him Portland internationally. They said, <laughs> well, forget, forget that because you know what would oh, happen no. if Trump flew into PDX? Uh, and, and they said, what's the next closest airport? And they said, Seattle, uh, three hours drive away. And they said, well, that doesn't work. So when you understand that it's like coming into enemy territory and that even if all you know all the reasonable people behave themselves the problem is all you need a few thousand crazies to show up and blockade roads and you know throw incendiary devices and all the stuff they've all been doing in seattle and portland for the last two years they know that's what they're up against and even though they would be able to protect trump because he gets secret service protection what happens to the the collateral damage to people around that? When people start throwing bombs and setting things on fire and blocking roads and all that, average people get hurt and they don't get secret service protection. So I think to some extent getting big name Republicans to come to the Pacific Northwest, it's a little bit of a push uh, because they're going to be coming behind enemy lines. But I have a feeling after Tuesday, Those enemy lines are going to shift quite a bit. There is going to be a red wave or even a red tsunami come Tuesday. It's First Amendment Friday. It's the Lars Larson Show, and it's the Radio Northwest Network. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Always glad to get to your calls, and we'll do that in a moment. Naysayers go first, of course, at 866-439-5277. At this point, though, I'm really glad to welcome back Ken Cuccinelli, who's the National Chair of the Election Transparency Initiative and former Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia and former Acting Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security. Ken, welcome back. Always good to be with you, Lars. You know, it's sad that in American elections, thank you for that, but it's sad in American elections that there are a lot of races that kind of get overlooked by the voters. They're all excited in presidential election years about the president, and in non-presidential election (laughs) years, it's House and Senate. But you've pointed out that attorney general races uh, throughout America, there are a number of them that are up for gra- not up for grabs, but they're being contested anyway, and that these folks are playing a really critical role on v- many of the issues that conservatives care about the most.
7: Well, right. I mean, you've got Ken Paxson in Texas and Mark Brnovich in Arizona and Eric Schmidt in Missouri who are really carrying the fight to the Biden administration on their lawlessness on the border, for example, and doing so successfully. Um, now, hopefully, they're getting some reinforcements here. And actually, Eric Schmidt will end up being Eric Schmidt's own reinforcements as he goes from the AG's office to the U.S. Senate. But um, they have played a critical role. And, you know, I, I wrote a book called The Last Line of Defense, and it means the states are the last line of defense against the federal government. And the AG's usually wield that authority. So uh, this has been a big deal. Um, these are important races. You know, What Arizona. You've got Carrie Lake, who's on the verge of winning, who has been saying all along she's going to uh, utilize the constitutional power to recognize the invasion happening in Arizona to deploy their state forces to repel people from entering Arizona. And she will undoubtedly be immediately sued. Well, it would sure be helpful to have a friendly attorney general to back her up. Yeah, because, I um, uh, you know, that's uh, going to be pretty important.
0: Ken, I want to ask you, I want you to describe, because I may have this wrong, but I want you to describe something I think I've seen uh, in my own neck of the woods, where a state has laws on the books, and the person or the entity that's supposed to defend that is the state's attorney general. Uh, at the federal level, it might be the solicitor, uh, but at the state level, it's the attorney general. And some of these folks basically show up in court and flop you know, to use an NBA term, uh, they, they just show up and say, yeah, we're not really going to defend this. We don't really want to defend. And that's happening well, right now, Gene isn't Intentionally it? flop. Intentionally flop. Yes. Yes.
7: Yeah, that's called sue and settle. So what you get with left wing AGs is they'll um, be sued typically by, say, an environmental group Uh, or a a so-called voting rights group that really wants to muck up the voting rules so they can confuse things on the left. And they'll settle with them and essentially rewrite their state's laws um, using their authority as the state's lawyer. So it it works in both directions. Um, You know, AGs can mess up good laws and they can protect us from bad ones.
0: Well, and and but I guess the tough thing for most of us to wrap our heads around and I get questions like this from my audience all the time saying well if they're supposed to defend this law that's part of what their job is how can they get away with just saying I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna flop I'm I'm going to deliberately throw the game throw the match uh in favor of the side I want to win and throw my own constituency under the bus is there any way to stop attorneys general from not doing their job.
7: Yeah, um, that's what elections are for primarily. I mean, I have the way you describe it is idealistic. And it's how I came into the (laughs) attorney general's office of Virginia, you know, 12 years ago. I had to defend cases I disagreed with. And I did that. Because I knew that was part of the job. And you don't run for the office if you aren't willing to do the entire job. But now we get people who do nothing but play politics instead of honestly represent their office. And we see this happen pretty frequently on the left. And um, the attorney general's position is one of those. Another is these prosecutors, these Soros prosecutors, who run promising not to prosecute. You know, if you don't like a particular law, Mr. or Mrs. Prosecutor, then you need to run for your legislature and change the law. But if you're going to run to prosecute and protect the community, implicit in that is a commitment to actually enforce the laws on the books.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. And and for example, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Michigan and Wisconsin both have attorneys general. Their states after the Dobbs decision uh, that over, effectively overturned Roe v. Wade and threw it back to the states, those two states have abortion bans. And the Democrat attorneys general uh, of those two states uh, have said, yeah, we're not going to defend those laws. And, and I, I just can't imagine being in that state saying, you've got a law, it's your job to defend it, and you've decided to just say, I don't want to, and you're effectively changing our laws, and you're not the legislature in one person.
7: Correct. Yes, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, we've that's a slip toward autocracy. Right. And um, if individual people think they get to decide what the law is all by themselves, that is not what the founders had in mind. It's not what they put in place. And it's not the law in any state. But you have people now running for offices that are warping that those fundamental principles, really ignoring them and steamrolling
0: them. Well, you mentioned Arizona. Is there any does does the Biden administration have any room to say to Arizona, uh, we decided not to finish the wall, and you've now put up uh, you know shipping containers along that wall, and we're now going to sue you and and force you to take those down so illegal aliens can invade America? Is the Biden administration on firm legal ground in a, in an effort like that?
7: Well, it is interesting to Doug Ducey's credit, and I haven't always been a Doug Ducey fan, but he has stood his ground here and gone ahead and sued the federal government over their attempts to make him take those shipping containers down. And um, so your listeners know those, you know, the shipping containers Doug Ducey is using is literally blocking a gap in what I'll call the Trump wall Yep, that was scheduled to be finished in construction, and Joe Biden pulled the plug on that. So guess where the illegals flow through? And as you said, Lars, it is effective. Um, You know, walls work. I will say this. They really only work comprehensively when you have the people and the political will behind them to deport people who do cross anyway, because the wall's only as good as the folks backing it up. But he certainly made it harder for people to get across, and it is amazing to watch um, the federal government leap into action to protect the avenues of ingress to the <laughs> United States. Um, those are supposed to be through legal ports of entry, but the federal government is a little upset that that Doug Ducey is blocking illegal non ports of entry across the border. But he ain't got he ain't seen nothing yet. Once Kerry Lake wins. This is going to go up to a notch that's (laughs) never been seen in our lifetimes
0: well and i guess if they want to play this kind of guerrilla warfare game i guess states could say we're going to block our area and if they happen to flow into some democrat heavy state like california well then california is just going to have to take it i mean in some ways it could have the same effect as putting you know 100 illegal aliens on an airplane and flying them off to martha's vineyard say see how you like your immigration policies now i know how the mayor of dc and the mayor of new york did not like it at all that's ken cuccinelli ken thank you very much he is the national chair of the election transparency initiative his book is called the last line of defense and he acted as the acting deputy secretary at homeland security under president donald trump thank you so much for coming on back in a moment we'll get to your phone calls and emails at 866 hey lars that's 866-439-5277 Vote in our Twitter poll, should men be able to compete as women against women in a beauty pageant? You'll find that at Lars Larson Show. And you're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Elizabeth writes in because she heard me talking about that creepy serial rapist who Kate Brown is letting out of prison next month. Uh, and he's a serial rapist, but Kate Brown's government, with no objection whatsoever from Tina Kotek, has decided to label him a low-level sex offender because of his advanced age of 63. Well, I happen to be 63 as well. I don't think of it as advanced age. Um, Elizabeth says, love your show. He, the creep rapist, may be more dangerous now. My feeling is he will out himself. Many neighbors are very observant. Uh, he says, saw cowboy Brahe in jail during my orientation schedule years. There were four of us and a correctional officer. When Brahe turned around in his cell and looked at all of us, all women, he licked his lips. Thank God there was a cell door and a lot of unbreakable plexi between us. He was demonic. I felt his yuck and I thought about changing majors. I did not. I stayed the course. People do not understand evil. Rock on, signed Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thanks very much for the note. And this one, Jim, Lars, I'm convinced that Election Day will become a vast assemblage of different kinds of chaos. Between poll workers, radio hosts, TV, and print media, there will be accusations, insults, and various partisans shouting from the rooftops about irregularities and assorted legal ramifications, all of which will create the perfect playing field for the Democrats to pull their very well-rehearsed vote-counting tricks. As much as I hope and pray for a red wave of any size, Given their history of no consequences for their tricks, I fear for the day and the continued decline of our beloved USA. And this one, I'm going to leave the guy's name off just because I don't want him to get in. He says, my name is blank and I'm a mail carrier. And yes, I can confirm that ballots get routed back to the post office. We aren't supposed to deliver them. We just send them back through the system and hope they don't come back again. Me, personally, I always drop my ballot off in person because I don't trust mail voting. And he's a mail carrier. Kind of ironic, since I'm a postal worker I anyway, he love the show. Listen daily. He says, my office is quite small with two routes. I can't imagine how many ballots get routed back in the big city offices. And that is a very good point. Now, to your calls. Let me go first to a naysayer. Uh, Jeff's on the line in Seattle listening on KVI and the Radio Northwest Network. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the program. What do you and I disagree about on this Friday before Election Day?
1: Oh,
4: not so much that I disagree. I just hope if Republicans take the House that we see Marjorie Taylor Greene on the House Intelligence Committee, and I want to see somebody with experience. So I want to see Matt Gates on the House Committee that's in charge of child sex trafficking. And then we could have Jim Jordan on the Judiciary Committee roll up his sleeves, you know, and go after all those communists that are hiding in the FBI.
0: I take it there's some sarcasm in your comments, right, Jeff?
4: And then Marjorie Taylor Greene can take a CSI team and go down to the basement of the Capitol and find those secret hidden rooms where Nancy Pelosi and Murray and Betty Thompson are all sacrificing babies and drinking their blood.
0: (sighs) Jeff, you know, I got to tell you something. I I I understand where you're going. Goodbye. I understand you're trying to be funny. Do you do you actually believe Oh, see? This is a that is a chicken of a naysayer who doesn't even stick around for some questions. Let's go to Stephanie McClintock. Stephanie, you're running for the 18th legislative district in uh out of uh out of where?
3: In Washington State, North Clark County.
0: Very good. And why should the voters choose you?
3: Well, um, the issues that we're facing, that we need the biggest change are coming from Olympia. I have um, common sense conservative values. Um, my dad's a retired police officer. We've got to um, repeal these laws passed in 2021 that have handcuffed our law enforcement. I've done my ride-alongs with Battleground PD, Clark County Sheriff, and uh, we, they need our support. Uh, inflation's out of control. We had a $15 billion surplus and none of it was uh, saved. And they just continue to take our taxes and spend on programs that uh, we don't need. We have plenty of money and we need to give a kicker back to our taxpayers.
0: Now, wouldn't it, not, now not are you actually suggesting, Stephanie, because I love the idea. Oregon has a constitutionally mandated kicker. Should Washington State have the same? Say, go ahead, write a budget, but if you collect more money than it takes to fund the budget for two years, kick the rest of it back to the taxpayers.
3: Absolutely.
0: I'm for that. You want to tell people where to find you on social media?
3: Yes, I'm on Facebook at Vote Stephanie McClintock and I have a website that vote for com. And I just want to make sure that everybody votes. There will not be a red wave if we do not get all our Republicans to turn in their ballot. I will be spending the weekend um, outdoor belling and making sure that uh, we've got all those ballots turned in so we can have a win.
0: I think you're absolutely right, and thank you for the call. Let's go to Kerry. Carrie. Carrie, thanks for calling from Kent. Uh, thanks for listening on KVI and the Radio Northwest. Uh, what's on your mind? Of
3: course. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that the Washington State Democrat Party just posted a very uh, ridiculous uh, add that uh, Governor Inslee and Tina Podlaski, or whatever her name is uh, are saying don't vote for don't write in Brad Clippert for Secretary of State. But every self-respecting Republican should write in Brad Clippert for Secretary of State. Uh, they like to call him election denier. So I made sure that they knew that Hillary and Biden and Kamala and Maxine Waters, almost every single Democrat in 2016 were election deniers. And Hillary's already teeing it up for this next one.
0: Yeah, she is. And and it's funny how many Democrats I've seen interviewed on some of the mainstream news networks who are asked, will you accept the results of the election? And an awful lot of them will not. So I guess now the Democrats can start calling their own election deniers, although there seems to be some kind of special exception. If you're a Democrat, you're allowed to be skeptical about elections. If you're a conservative or a Republican, you are not. It is First Amendment Friday. It's the Lars Larson Show, and it's the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers?
1: Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is
0: it complicated?
1: It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage.
0: Would
2: you like to learn more about 1031 Exchanges? Then go to 1031Exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.